Well, greetings. You're on Deep Background for September 27th, 2017. Dave Helling with the Kansas City Stars Editorial Board. Great to have you with us for today's discussion. Aaron Randall of the Kansas City Stars with us today. And, uh, you know, we asked uh, Aaron to come on primarily because I'm sure our listeners are tired of old fogies talking about the news. We finally get some (laughs) younger reporters on. But we wanted to talk to Aaron today about his story of a couple of weeks ago about to broadly the social scene for minorities in Kansas City, in and around Kansas City. I don't want to prejudge what you wrote or sort of try to summarize it since it was your story, Aaron. Tell us what you wrote and what you found about the circumstances surrounding entertainment options for minorities in our area. Absolutely. Um, For this story, what I... Uh, basically what I was um, looking to do was to gauge uh, just the comfort level that um, people of color, uh, minority young young black professionals were having in in Kansas City in the new social scene. And not only just Kansas City natives, but also uh, the growing number of uh, Young black professionals that are being brought here with you know the uh, with the on, with the oncoming of uh, companies like Cerner. So I just right. want to just gauge you know how millennials felt about the local social scene right. and its diversity and its inclusivity. And what did you find? I found that um, there were a a range of reactions, but I found that the overwhelming response was that they did not feel like they were welcomed. I think one of the taglines that we used was um, young black professionals felt tolerated and not welcome. And that seemed to be the overall overall kind of gist. And what in what sense? Work that out for me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Is it is it because there are not venues that young black professionals feel they can go to Mm -hmm. or that in which they're more comfortable or is it because existing venues seem unwelcoming what's the what's the the sense of of how that works out in the lives of the people you're talking about okay well uh it, it's a it's a few different factors, right? Uh, one, um, I did focus on the the most popular entertainment districts because this story was kind of framed um, under uh, this guise of Kansas City really trying right. to, to take that next step as a great you know as a new city. Right. And you know we've always heard about it being a, a millennial hotspot and just one of the hot new cities for millennials. So I looked at those places that. Native and transplant millennials were visiting, you know, the um, Waldo, the Crossroads, Westport, the Plaza, places like that. Power and Light District? Power and Light District, of course, yes. Um, And so I asked them, you know, I just wanted to get a feel of how they felt, um, not only... Well, how they felt considering that they a lot of them have come from other metropolises like, you know, big and small. Some from Memphis, you know, comparable size city, Memphis, Denver, some from huge places like New York, L.A., Atlanta. And they did. um, And your idea was, look, tell us what it was like where you came from. Yeah. And then what you think you have found once you've moved to Kansas City. Absolutely. And also kind of seeing like um, where you sold the the proper bill of bill of rights, right? You know, like, <laughs> bill of goods. Bill of goods, yeah. So like when 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 Kansas City told you that this was the hottest new city for millennials, you know, what did you envision and what did you encounter? Mm-hmm. And um, by and large, I think that um, specifically for people of color, they found that they were a little bit underwhelmed with the social scene and. Um, it's a it's a combination of things that I found. I know that um, we focused a lot in the story on the music, um, but I thought that that was one of the best ways to concretely demonstrate um, just 
the practices that actual nightlife agents in Kansas City can take, um, not only or, or have taken to make people feel um, less welcome, but also I think it's one of the easiest ways that they, that they could work to make them feel more welcome in the future. Right. But it's more than just the music, right? It's about, um, um, I've talked to millennials um, who said that they would go in and the bartenders will, will ignore them or the patrons just seem to be a little bit hostile to them or like um, overwhelmingly with um, the guys. They said that um, the security just felt, you know, a little a little bit more aggressive. I, heard, I had young women who were saying that if they wore their hair in natural state, they felt like they were getting treated differently than, they, when, than maybe if they had in a straight and that, state. And Aaron, that seems aimed at existing ex- establishments. Correct. Did you focus more on that or this idea that there is literally no place to go that young African-American millennials find sufficiently fun? I think, or is uh, it both? I, th- I think it's actually both. You know, I think that I, I looked at, you know, all of these spaces that we have and also the ones that, that we continue to add on that seems like, you know, every, every month, you know, there's a new bar or something popping up somewhere. And so I was just kind of gauging to see what they felt. And the consensus seemed to be that they weren't getting what they wanted, but that the best of a bad situation was probably Westport, which was ironic because that's also where I decided to kind of spin and hone most of my reporting to kind of show mm-hmm. that even though this is the preferred space that these millennials like to go to, it's still chock full of problems. Yeah. Well, I want to come back to that, but let's set down one more sort of predicate before we talk about options and solutions. And and that is that this is an important issue, isn't it? I mean, a lot of people, oh, it's frivolous. Who cares who can go to bars or whatever? But in fact... Communities thrive on younger people Mm -hmm. who have to find something in a community more important than just driving to work every day, putting in eight or ten hours or whatever, and then driving home. I mean, that's—this is an important, you know, problem. People would disagree whether it's a problem or not, but it's certainly an important issue for the health of this community, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think that you made a great point when you were speaking on, like, the bigness that millennials want when they come to a city like Kansas City, specifically when it's been sold the way that we are beginning to sell our city, right? And um, also, I think that some— People think that this is just about you know clubs and bars and going out to get and drunk. rap music, yeah. And, but it's, know, it's more than that. Yeah, right. It's about it's it's about the importance of minorities being able to find spaces where they can foster community and camaraderie. Right. Because if you feel like you're an outcast, you know it's not going to be an enjoyable living experience. And if and if you aren't enjoying living somewhere, how long will you stay? Yeah. But is that unique to Kansas City? Aaron, I mean, isn't if you went to Wichita, Omaha, Memphis, Louisville? I'm just picking these mm-hmm. on random. You know, Dallas. Uh, would you find similar problems with uh, you know black professionals, or do we have a unique difficulty here in your view? That's interesting because. Um, you always, I guess, can you seem you can overstate your own problems a little bit sometimes right. because I had um, some friends in other cities who who communicated that they had the same issues. I had a friend in Memphis who said, "Oh man, this is definitely my story." I have a friend who in Detroit with their revi- with their revitalization. Right. He mentioned how they were having similar issues. So, um, metropolises like L.A. and New York and Atlanta, no, like you said, they have a, a big enough right. population I tried to, to say look that at last everyone. Weekend. When you have such a big city, there is ob- there are obviously more choices, entertainment choices, mm-hmm. for all 
residents. I mm-hmm. mean, it isn't just the African-American experience, but if you live in New York City and you want to find people who, who you know, sort of agree with you socially, you can find that harder in smaller communities, right? Absolutely. And then there is also the specter of just knowing how segregated Kansas City yes. is economically, logistically. Right. I think that absolutely complicates things because there are similar cities like Charlotte who have a thriving um, black millennial population who seems to really be enjoying the city. And Statistics show that they are having a large influx of millennials, actually. Why? What are they doing right that we're not doing right? Do you have a sense of that? You know, I can't quite. Um, I don't have the specific data, and I'm not right. And I'm not as well-versed as I maybe should because be to clearly, answer that question. Well, well, clearly, if you, if you believe, you know, if, if segregation or, or discrimination remains an issue, which it clearly does, you would think— you know, Charlotte, North Carolina would would be at the top of a list that would struggle with that and yet isn't. So they must have come up with some sort of one assumes some sort of strategy to address these problems. But what I have seen um, that I, I, I do feel comfortable in saying is that there seems to be um, a lot more minority ownership in these entertainment districts in mm-hmm. in um, Charlotte. That's a very important. Point, it's it's so it? important. You know, I, I was talking on a panel this weekend, and I mentioned how I think the most quote unquote radical establishment, minority owned establishment that we have, um, that's not a traditional eatery or a restaurant in these major districts, might be Ruby Jean's Juicery. Right, right. You know, there are very few coffee shops owned by minorities. There are very few bars and lounges in these spaces of power and light, Westport, you know, these millennial hotspots. And that, I think, is a, is a huge issue. And why is that? Because of lack of capital, lack of experience, discrimination? Do you have a sense of that, Aaron? Why isn't there more... Again, I don't think that's just limited to Kansas City, clearly. Other communities yeah, also absolutely. have a problem with minority ownership. But, in fact, that's, a, that's, a, that's an issue that transcends what you wrote about even. I mean, mm-hmm. the idea of minority, you know, I've been covering the airport debate and mm-hmm. including minority uh, businesses in building a new airport if the voters approve and that, you know, finding qualified uh, minority businesses can be difficult in a community. So it transcends just bars and coffee shops. But in this case, that's a, that's almost a critical point part yeah. of it. How do you get I mean, is it, they need more money, more lending, more more experience. Do you have a sense of that at all? And see, Dave, that is actually what I am um, interested in, in tackling next or finding out next. Like mm-hmm. this 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 issue of ownership. I have had off the record conversations with people who have told me that they had all their ducks in a row to open a business um, in a, in power and light, and they couldn't procure the liquor licensing, or they're having issues with that. Um, obviously, I think that there is also you know a lack of capital and maybe we could do better better job um, investing right. in funding I saw this really interesting um, piece la- a few weeks ago that Chicago which again is Chicago they invested 20 million in a black bank you know I thought that that was a pretty radical move that could maybe help spur black business mm-hmm. um, so I, that is yet to be seen the what the specific factors are but I think it's definitely a mixture of all those things you yep. mentioned and what that suggests Aaron is that your story is is part of a much broader concern in this community, right? Absolutely. And I think people who read it, some people who were sort of saying, what's this doing on the front page? Well, it's on the front page because it says something important about our community in its specifics, mm-hmm. but also makes a broader point. Do you think that's right? Yeah, I do. I definitely agree. Um, I, I said uh, before that this is, in a in a way, it's, it's an issue of civic pride, right? You know, um, well, it's also an issue, though, of inclusion and the necessity 
of including all Kansas Cityans. Absolutely. In in whatever growth we're going through, whether it's apartments downtown or, or entertainment districts or new businesses or new airports. You know, cities like Kansas City, as you know, have a history of exclusiveness. Mm-hmm. And, and other cities do, too. Again, you don't want to pick too much on the community you live in, but maybe your story reflects that, right? That, that, yeah. that this legacy of exclusiveness makes not only this hard, but lots of other things hard, too, in education, access Absolutely. to money, social... That's what people miss. And as we move into this new era, let's let's move also into a new era of thinking, right? Like, understand who you're trying to attract, who, right. your, who your new who your new um, tenants and your new Kansas Cityans are going to be. They are largely millennials. And millennials more than any generation before them and the ones after us, the generation after us, we truly value diversity and inclusivity. And when you don't supply that, I think that we are willing and we have shown that we will go somewhere else that that might that may right. be able to. So let me ask you two final questions. This one may be a little tough, but but I'll try to phrase it the right way. Isn't this argument made more difficult by incidents of violence in places like Westport? I mean, doesn't that doesn't I mean, you try so hard to erase race as a as a as a factor. And yet it sometimes it's hard to do that, particularly in entertainment districts. You spent a lot of time in Westport. Mm-hmm. We had the unfortunate shooting at California's here a yes. couple of weeks ago. You, you don't blame that on race, but people see that and think race. Absolutely. Um, I go back specifically to my conversation with Bill Nigro, who I know that many people, you know, that is one of the most piercing quotes, um, quotes that I had. Right. He says, I don't have problems with that country and Western bars. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he essentially said that he 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 admitted that he uses DJs and music selection to to kind of keep black crowds away. And. it's it's fascinating how when I left that conversation, I wasn't necessarily angry at Bill. I didn't even feel like— It's hard to be—I I don't want to say it's hard to be angry at Bill. I've known him for many, many years, but he's a pretty blunt guy. Yeah. And he's been part of this discussion for decades. Absolutely, and I value the engagement, right? right. And to answer your question, it absolutely complicates these issues. But I think in the same vein— if I could take away two things that I think people, we could do better on, on this issue of making Kansas City feel more inclusive, it's the the concepts of engagement and unlearning, right? Yeah. So engaging and having the tough conversations. I, I love that me and Bill were able to speak so frankly to one another mm-hmm. because even though the things that he said were hurtful, I think that that's how you get the conversation started, right? right? But also the unlearning aspect of just knowing that, like, you know, realizing that, hey, I do think this way. Maybe it isn't the right thing to think, but just recognizing that and knowing that if you work together, you can kind of unlearn that problematic thinking. And that's, of course, what journalism is supposed to do, is to propose issues and problems and have people talk about them and see if they can work their way through. And by any measure, your story, of course, did that. Final question, what was the reaction to it? I mean, (laughs) some of it was not very positive, I would guess. Some of it more positive than others. (laughs) It was, it actually, Dave, it ran a really wide range um, on both sides of the spectrum. I had people of color who... From, I had Kansas Cityans who were upset that these, you know, big fancy Atlanta folk and L.A. folk yeah. were coming here and weren't satisfied. Like, go back home. I had Kansas, black Kansas Cityans who were saying, you know, um, 
I actually don't have this hard of a time going out. But the overwhelming majority of people of color, especially millennials, were saying, like, yes, this is absolutely my story. Yeah. And it also ran a wide range with age. I had people as old as 70 years old telling me that they had this conversation 20 years ago with their right. kids. Right. And on but the, I think one of the values of your story was mm-hmm. we think about 70-year-olds far too much. And I say that as someone who's <laughs> starting to scrape that that milestone. Um But Kansas City will be built by young people. I mean, we are really entering into a time when people in their 20s and 30s really need to step forward. Yeah. And and I think the value of your story, again, was identifying something that is of importance to that age group. Exactly. And and in a way that that age group can address. I mean, you know, the people who are in their 60s and 70s, our time, I've told people this all the time. We work hard and we care, but our time to affect change is really fading. We just mm-hmm. don't. We're old. <laughs> but the Kansas City will be what Aaron Randall makes it and, and other people of your age make it. And I think, again, that was a subtext to your story, right? That Absolutely. That we, we can address this problem and make Kansas City the place we want it to be. 100%. Yeah, all right, great. Aaron Randall with the Kansas City Star. Great story. What was the uh, headline again, in case people want to link to it? Young, black, and unwelcome is the Kansas City social scene for whites only. (laughs) And it was in your Kansas City Star, still available, of course, online. And we we invite everyone who cares about these issues here and across the country uh, to uh, take a look at the story and think a little bit about what Aaron has written and how we can make Kansas City the, the place we all want it to be, right? Yes, thank you so much, Dave. Thanks again for being on the podcast. Again, uh, Aaron Randall with the Kansas City Star. My name is Dave Helling with the Star's editorial board. Thanks to you for joining us. We'll see you next week. For now, you have been on Deep Background.